The sermon from St. John's Evangelical Lutheran Church of Hancock, Minnesota, of a member of the Wells, preached on October 30, 2011, Reformation Sunday, based on Galatians 5, 1-6. Please stand. Grace and peace to you from God our Father and our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. The word from God through which the Holy Spirit points us to Jesus this Reformation Sunday is the second lesson Galatians 5, 1 through 6, please listen to the opening verse once again. It is for freedom that Christ has set us free. Stand firm then and do not let yourselves be burdened again by a yoke of slavery. This is the word of our Lord. Please be seated. Dear friends in Christ, fellow saints, washed clean in the blood of our risen Savior. I wear the chain I forged in life. I made it link by link and yard by yard. That's what the ghost of Jacob Marley said. Recall that scene from the bedroom of Ebenezer Scrooge in Charles Dickens' A Christmas Carol? The ghost of his seven-year dead partner appears and stands there before Scrooge with a chain around his middle, long and wound around his waist. It clanked hideously in the dead silence of the night. Yes, his greed, his selfishness, his loveless money-counting had forged that chain. What chain do you wear, dear friends? Now, I know you are no Scrooge, but But have you ever felt or wanted something and felt a tinge ungrateful when God didn't let you have it? That's coveting. That's a link in the chain. Or when we feel that we could be just a little bit more content if God would only give us, that too is a link in the chain. And need we mention our revengeful thoughts or unkind words or self-centered motives, our worry, our lust, our anger, our rage? And what about our spiritual negligence and laziness? And so I ask again, what chain do you wear? And your answer, the answer, your answer, dear Christian, is... None. No chain at all. Not one single link. Because Christ has set you free. It is for freedom that Christ has set us free. You heard the Apostle Paul declare, Christ has set you free. He has broken that chain. He has carried it to the cross in his body. You are no longer a prisoner to sin. Christ has set you free. You free. You heard the words of the scripture itself declare that to you. Now stand firm in that freedom, dear friends. Stand firm. Don't forge for yourself a different kind of chain now that Christ has set you free. There is another kind of chain that looks much nicer than that chain of greed and selfishness that Jacob Marley had worn. There is another kind of chain that looks quite beautiful. The world will actually praise how 
nicely it looks. And yet this second chain is heavier and stronger and just as deadly as the first. Why forge for yourself a new chain? Christ has set you free. Stand firm in that freedom. Stand firm then. And do not let yourselves be burdened again by a yoke of slavery. But what is that second chain? That, that yoke of slavery? Well, before we can really talk about that, we need to first cherish how Jesus has set us free by faith alone because of his righteousness. Cling to Christ's righteousness by faith. That's what Paul is urging the Galatians here as he says to them in, in verse 4 or verse 5, By faith we eagerly await through the Spirit the righteousness for which we hope. For in Christ Jesus the only thing that counts is faith. Cling to Christ's righteousness by faith. Now, for us to understand that, for us to cherish what this really means, we need to understand a little clearly, more clearly than the world does what faith is. Faith isn't focused on my efforts, my works, my intentions. Faith doesn't say, look at me. See how I believe in Jesus? I accepted him into my heart and invited him in. I have opened the door for him and made my decision for Christ. See how Christian I am? That's not the faith that the Holy Spirit brings. Rather, dear friends, faith looks to Jesus and his cross and his righteousness. Faith clings to Christ's righteousness, to what he has done for us. For you see, Jesus freely credits you with his righteousness so that it counts as your record. Now, the world can't see that, can they? And that's why the world thinks so little of faith and makes light of it. Oh, you have your faith, I have my faith. What's the big deal, the world says? And that's why we, we Christians, we eagerly anticipate and look forward to that day in God's courtroom, the last day, when the verdict of righteousness is proved for all to see that verdict that even you and me, even a Christian who simply had faith, is righteous in God's sight because of Jesus. Only through faith in Christ. Yes, cling to Christ's righteousness alone. But like I said, that day, that verdict, where all the world will see that, that lies in the future. And that's why in the text here, Paul refers to it as the righteousness for which we hope. Yet you already have the righteousness of Jesus Christ. It's already counted to your record. But the world can't see that. And that's why faith hopes in eager expectation for that day of judgment when no one will be able to dispute that verdict of righteousness any longer. But as we said, that day is in the future. There's nothing uncertain about that day or that verdict, but it still lies in the future. And that's why faith hopes, and yet it is a sure, confident hope 
For faith knows, believes, and trusts that that verdict is based on what Jesus has done for us already. Faith knows, believes, and trusts that that verdict has been announced when God raised Jesus from the dead and he is not going to go back on his word. Faith knows, believes, and trusts that what Jesus did counts even for someone like you or like me. Jesus' righteousness counts for me. That's the promise faith clings to. In faith, cling to Christ's righteousness. By faith, we eagerly await through the Spirit the righteousness for which we hope. For in Christ Jesus, the only thing that counts is faith. Cling to Christ's righteousness in faith. And as we said, the world cannot see that. And that's why the world says, you can't be righteous before God just because of something Jesus did 2,000 years ago. You have to do something. I don't know exactly what. That's what the religions of this world are for. But you have to do something to be right with God. That's what the world preaches. That's what the religions of this world teach. And if you think about it, isn't that the moral of A Christmas Carol as well by Charles Dickens? Didn't Scrooge have to reform himself in order to avoid his partner's fate and in order to get rid of his own chain he had to reform his life and that's what the world still preaches and teaches you have to reform yourself you have to make yourself right with God at least in some way do good try hard do your duty that's what the world preaches and that's what many think is all that the Christian faith is about as well Now, dear friends, do you begin to see what that second chain is that we mentioned before? That second chain that looks so beautiful? It looks nice and beautiful because it's made out of things that are apparently good. Acts of kindness, works of love, religious services. And these things would be beautiful even before God until we build or hang our hope of righteousness on them. And then they become damning chains. For you see, it is only Christ's righteousness alone that makes us right before God. Christ alone has set us free. Cling to his righteousness alone. This was the trouble that had infiltrated the Christians in Galatia. They were no longer, or they were being tempted not to cling to Christ's righteousness alone, but to add to it. False teachers had come and said, yes, Jesus saves you, but but don't you know that God told Abraham to be circumcised? Now, if the father of believers had to be circumcised, don't you think we should be too? Wouldn't that make you even more right before God? Yes, the Galatians here were tempted to add circumcision to what Christ had done for them. What tempts you and me to add to Christ's righteousness? Maybe we want to add certain good works, especially those kind of good works that we might find not too hard to do for ourselves, but help distinguish us from other people. 
or maybe we're tempted to think that certain prayers or trying hard or loving our family or coming to church or giving a certain percentage in our offering or having a, a, a certain amount of sorrow or a certain amount of excitement, that those things will help make us more right before God. But all of that, as soon as we start hanging our hope for righteousness on anything we do, we no longer have the righteousness that comes from Christ alone. And without His righteousness alone, then we are left to trying to justify ourselves by law, as Paul says, by the works that we do. Even if we think it's only a small part we have to add to it. Listen again to what the Apostle Paul writes here. And as I read about letting yourself be circumcised, think rather about those things that we're tempted to add to what Christ has done to, for us. Paul writes, Mark my words. I, Paul, tell you that if you let yourself be circumcised, Christ will be of no value to you at all. Again, I declare to every man who lets himself be circumcised that he is obligated to obey the whole law. You who are trying to be justified by law have been alienated from Christ. You have fallen from grace. You see, there is no in-between, is there? Either we trust in Christ alone or we do not. Either we cling to Jesus' righteousness alone or we do not. Even if we think we can cling to Jesus for 99.9% of our righteousness and just have to do some tenth of a percent by ourselves or maybe even saying we got to do it with the help of God, that's like having a bridge that's 99.9% across the chasm. It's going to fall. And so will you. As soon as we add anything to Christ, no matter how big or small we think it is, it's no longer clinging to Christ's righteousness alone. It's trying to be justified by what we do, by law. And take to heart what Paul warns us here. You who are trying to be justified by law have been alienated from Christ. You have fallen from grace. Why forge for yourself that second chain of man-made, self-made righteousness? Cling to Christ's righteousness alone. That's the only way we have that freedom that Christ has set us free for. Martin Luther struggled to discover, for, uh, through this. For the first half of his life, if not more, he was forging for himself that chain of self-made righteousness. He was trying to make himself right with God. He followed the rules of the Roman Catholic Church. He went to confession, did his penance, said his prayers, received the sacrament, but he knew that by itself wouldn't be enough to make him right before the Holy God. And so in... He became a monk. At the age of 21, he joined the Augustinian order of monks because he thought maybe that's how he could get right with God. And he worked hard as a monk, fasting, praying, obeying his superiors. He made a pilgrimage to Rome, the holy city. He honored the relics of the saints. But all that, too, didn't seem like enough to meet the demands of the holy God his superior in the Augustinian order, Johann von Staupitz, thought that maybe if he could keep Luther busy enough, then Luther wouldn't be so troubled by these worries of his soul. And so he had Luther become a priest, 
and begin teaching theology at the University of Wittenberg. Luther studied toward a doctor of theology degree, and yet no matter how busy he was, he still knew that he had not done enough to be right with God. How could he ever stand before God's judgment throne? But then, the Holy Spirit opened his heart and mind through the words of the Holy Scriptures. Luther realized that the righteousness that God demands from us in the law is the righteousness that he freely gives us in the gospel, in the good news that tells us what Jesus has done for us. And that that is the only righteousness that stands before God. Only the righteousness of Jesus Christ. And this is God's free gift. Not something that we can earn from him. It is his gift. Unearned, unmerited, undeserved, unasked for. By grace alone. That righteousness that God demands, he gives through Jesus Christ. Faith grasps that promise and rejoices. Yes, Luther knew the struggles of trying to make yourself right before God. In fact, during that time, reflecting back on that time, he wrote about it with these words. My fears increased till sheer despair left naught but death to be my share and hell to be my sentence. But after the Holy Spirit showed him the righteousness of Jesus, the righteousness that God freely credited to him, Luther knew and believed and trusted that that was the only righteousness that could save him. Yes, that is the good news that set Luther free from those chains. That is the good news that set the Galatians and Paul free and the good news that has set you and me free as well. The righteousness that stands before God is the righteousness of Jesus' life and his innocent death, the righteousness that God freely gives to you, the righteousness proclaimed by Jesus' triumphant resurrection. And now, dear friends, convinced of your freedom in Christ, that he has set you free by crediting you with his righteousness, now let that faith shine out in love. Because that's how faith expresses itself. That's what faith does. And that's what Paul reminds us of in the closing phrase of the, of the um, text here when he talks about faith expressing itself through love. This in no way takes away from that freedom Christ has set us free to do. For you see, faith eagerly, gladly, willingly does this service of love. For you see, your faith is so convinced that Jesus Life counts for you and that his death pays for your sins. Your faith is so convinced that God counts you right in his sight only because of Jesus, that everything is right between you and God because of Jesus. Your faith is so convinced that it cannot help but express itself in that love that serves others. And as I said, this in no way takes away from the freedom because faith is doing this willingly, gladly. Faith is eager to serve others in love and Read the rest of Galatians 5 to see how Paul brings that out. And just to give you a taste of it, listen to verse 13. You, my brothers, were called to be free. 
But do not use your freedom to indulge the sinful nature. Rather, serve one another in love. Yes, dear friends, Christ has set you free. Don't trade in that freedom for any kind of chains, no matter how nicely those chains might look in the eyes of the world. Christ has set you free. It is his righteousness and his righteousness alone that stands before God. Believe that and do not doubt it. And let that faith express itself in love. Cling to Christ's righteousness in faith. Cling to his righteousness alone. For Christ has set you free. Amen. Please stand. The peace of God that surpasses all understanding will keep your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. Amen.